On episode 281 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn about the top eight tennis goals that you should set for 2023 with Peter Freeman. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I'm really pleased to have Peter Freeman on this episode of the show. We talk about the top eight tennis goals that you should have for 2023. I really enjoyed this chat. We went back and forth with our top goals. And um, they're ones that you really should work on. I mean, I would, you know, as I usually do, recommend picking one or two of them, but these are all really good ones. I obviously don't want to give them away uh, before the episode, but they definitely involve a lot of thinking, brainstorming, planning, and most importantly of all, implementing, taking action. So I think you'll really enjoy this discussion uh, with Peter about it. And I also do really highly encourage you and I'm excited to let you know about TennisCon Live, which is happening from March 30th to April 2nd. And this one will involve um, live clinic essentially in Tampa and I will actually be there. So really an honor to be invited to this event and I'll be teaching alongside Pete, Gigi Fernandez, Kevin Garlington, Ryan Reedy, and several other fantastic coaches. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. And if you want to check it out, go to tennisfiles.com slash tenniscon live to apply. So yeah, that is definitely something I'd, I'd love for you to do if you can uh, make it and see you meet you in person and uh, give you as much value as we possibly can. So um, with that, I would like to turn it over to Pete and myself for this episode of the show, and I hope you really enjoy this discussion on the top eight tennis goals that you should have for 2023. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I have my favorite guest of all time with me, my great friend Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching. Fantastic content there you should always check out uh, every day. So Pete, how are you doing? Oh, you say that to all the guests, don't you? No, go back to my podcast episodes. I don't say that. <laughs> I mean, I say that to check oh, it wow. out, but I mean, every day, that's a lot. I mean, I've only said that for you. Oh, well, I, I really appreciate it. I'm looking very forward to this uh, call. Very this forward. Podcast. Excellent. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, uh, really excited today to, to chat with you, Pete. I mean, you always bring out the great, uh, great information for us to help improve our games. And yeah, today we're just going to talk about, I think, um, you know, eight goals that we should have in mind to help us improve. So um, I think you can, you know, hopefully at least take one or two of these uh, at first and, and, and try to to accomplish them and you'll probably do really well uh, and, and improve your skills and level as a result. So Pete, let's uh, kick it off with your, your first item. 
Yeah. So I just thought this would be a great time to do this because we're heading into 2023. And now is the time, I think, I always love November, December to really just kind of just look at what what the last year has been and where I want to go. And, and I think it's a great thing to apply to tennis. So, you know, this is really for 2023 goal setting. And, and I think what's the most important thing to write down so that it really keeps you focused and be able to attain your goals is to write down. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you've got a pen or paper, write this down. What is your why? Why are you playing tennis? Really think about that. You know, just don't write something down quick. Like take five minutes to think about, well, why, why do I play tennis? You know, and, and uh, is it to get just exercise? Is it, is it to, you just love competing and, and you want to win more matches? Have you been stuck at a certain level and it's just super important to you to, uh, either just start dominating that level or get to the next level. Like, what is it for you? What gets you motivated to lace up those shoelaces and head to the court? So that would be the first goal is just to really understand your why and then build all your goal setting around that why. I like that, Pete. And yeah, it's just really important to do that because we, you know, there's going to be a lot of times where we don't feel like, you know, going out to practice, maybe it's, I don't know, too cold or you got a show that, that you'd prefer to watch, things like that. You feel laziness. And that, I mean, that happens to me all the time. We're, we're creatures of, uh, of comfort, uh, just natural, biologically speaking. So um, especially in times like that, if we remember um, why... Uh, the why, you know, that's, it's so important. I think there was a book too called uh, something about, it's like finding your why or something, but the author is uh, Simon Sinek, really good book. So uh, I'll try to link that in the show notes page, but I definitely often think about this when I'm hesitant to, uh, to keep going. Cause, cause yeah, it's, it can be tough. So have you have ever had any instances of, uh, of, you know, uh, needing to find your why in times of, of tough times, or are you just a machine, Peter? No, a- absolutely. Uh, lots of times I will ask myself, you know, wh- why or just remind myself why I'm doing something, because it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. You're always going to have those obstacles come up to where it just gets super frustrating and, <laughs> and things aren't going the way you want them to go. And then you got to remember that really the the journey, if you if you love why you're doing something. That's the key. If you really love why you're doing something, the journey is part of the process and there's always going to be ups and downs. There's never just ups. And, you know, if you're dedicated and focused, there's never just downs. And, and that was another, I guess, another goal that I wanted to talk about is that Novak. So another goal you should have is you should make it a goal to enjoy the process. Uh, Novak Djokovic, who just won the year-end championships again for like the bazillionth time, somebody asked him, well, when does he have an end goal in mind? You know, why is he still playing? Was the question, why are you still playing? You know, and and is there a certain number of championships or whatever that's, or or an age that you're trying to get to that's going to be it? And his answer was, None of that, that he just loves tennis, which I thought was great. He says, I love tennis 
And I love everything about it. He says, even when I'm not playing, I love to watch tennis. I love to be on the court with my kids with tennis. It's like everything. And, and he said, you know, winning the championships, that, of course, you would never want to stop. But the question that he's going to have to answer someday is, does he still enjoy the process of going out there to get ready to compete. Cause he says, really, that's, that's really what it's all about. And he says, and I still enjoy, I still enjoy everything about that. I still enjoy the practices and what it takes to get to the level, to be the champion that he is. And so his answer is basically, as long as I enjoy doing that and feel that I'm doing that at a high level, I'm not going to stop. And right now he feels great. So I thought that was an awesome answer from him. Yeah, I really enjoyed he- uh, hearing him, uh, you know, speak after his matches, and I think that's that's one thing in particular. Maybe you, you all should be doing as well. Like, you know, when the when the greats especially play, like listen to them speak because they have a lot of great nuggets in there. I, I feel like um, like your first two are intertwined because you know you you know you want to make it a goal to enjoy the process, but then sometimes you're gonna again get to that point where things are tough, and then you have to remember your why, and then that can help you enjoy the process. I mean, luckily for, for me at the moment, and, and hopefully a lot of you, just like the simple ability and uh, thinking of gratitude to like play the game is just so enjoyable um, as well. And there was another thing that Novak said in, in one of his press conferences, and I mentioned this a, a bit with um, my interview with Nick Saviano, but uh, no- Novak was asked like how he was able to get through uh, one of his matches. I'm trying to remember who it was against. Uh, Might have been Sitsipas, maybe. Yeah, but, was but it Medvedev? Oh, sorry, Medvedev. Yes, exactly. And yeah. yeah, he was like shaking during the match. It was ridiculous. But, um, and and yeah, and so Novak. One thing he said, and I think I, I do want to actually. I plan to make this one of my um, uh, you know, goals is to try to stretch your comfort zone. Um, because Novak said that. He said, well, he was asked, like, how are you able to, like, push yourself to the limits? And Novak said that I believe there are no limits, which is, mm. like, incredible, you know. And and uh, this makes me think of, of uh, David Goggins, who wrote Can't Hurt Me. And he says when you hit the what you think is your max threshold, you've only hit 40 percent. So it's really in your mind as far as like being able to keep pushing and you can do little tricks as well. Like sometimes when I'm, well, actually I don't jog as much these days, but when I used to do some long distance running, I would trick myself into saying, all right, just, you know, um, half a mile more, half a mile more. And then you kind of piecemeal it. And so your body, your mind and body kind of get relaxed, like, okay, just a little more. And then you tack on a little more, but I guess, and that's kind of another point into just going at things gradually piecemealing but i would say that stretching your comfort zone is so important because you know if we stay in the comfort zone as you all know like you're you're not going to be able to improve yourself so uh, and even just everyday things like maybe taking the stairs instead of taking the elevator or going for a walk outside when it's really cold i think these are these sorts of things will like mentally build you up to say wow you know i can actually uh push myself and 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 go through th- these these things that seem tough are actually not as tough and I guess that sort of mindset can help a lot. So I would say that's uh, one of my uh, items I wanted to mention today. Yeah, I think I think that's huge. You know, Novak, which was very interesting, just like you said, talking about people are saying, hey, you 
you were getting into the next round no matter what. You're already in the semis, yeah. you know. So it wasn't a thought to even stop. Uh, and other people had in the past, you know, not even played that match because, like, why do it? And he's like, man, every time I get a chance to play against the best, I want to be on the court. And quitting was not even an option. Like, it wasn't even a thought. And that that is what is so cool. And then when when you think about the, the big three, uh, Look at look at uh, Rafa at Wimbledon this year against Taylor Fritz. Again, it'd be like, why why are you still out there? You're obviously in pain. You're probably not going to be able to play the next match. And after the match, he said in the interview, "Believe it or not, I enjoy these types of matches." You know, and and most tennis players, the matches we enjoy is like when we're out there in the zone, like we just <laughs> stomp on somebody o and o and don't miss a shot, and the ball is as big as a balloon. Rafa actually for a lot of that match didn't play that great. I mean, whether he just was not going to play great anyway or because of the injury. I mean, he missed a lot of routine shots that he normally doesn't miss. It wasn't just about like uh, him enjoying playing great. Like he, there were so many things working against him from the way he was playing to the way he was feeling to how good his opponent was playing. And he enjoyed that all. And normally that would be like the worst nightmare for any other tennis player. Think about if I said, hey, Mirabon, tomorrow you're going to go out there. You're not going to play that great. Your opponent's going to be in the zone and you're going to be injured. You know, are you looking forward to tomorrow? Most people say, hell no. Like, I'll just not even play. He liked that. R- R- Roger, who lots of people just think, oh, the game's come so easy to him. There was a match first, um, Tennis Sandgren at the Australian Open where he was hurt. And he came back and won. And he said, I just tried to extend the match as long as possible and stay out there as long as I could and hope mm. that something good would happen. Again, this is a guy in, injured who has so much money in the bank, doesn't need to prove one more thing, and he's out there in pain trying to stay out there as long as he can. That is different. <laughs> you know. And if we can get any little bit of that in, in us, we'll be doing some good things. Yeah, it's incredible that, you know, usually, I mean, 99% of us or more, like when we get injured, we don't want to stretch the match out. <laughs> we want to just go yeah. for winners and like uh, make it go by as quickly as possible. And um, yeah, another thing, Novak, I mean, again, like so crazy, like you mentioned, Novak was already 2-0. He would have advanced anyway, but I remember him saying in response to the another um, interviewer or uh, reporter, he said, uh, you know, I'm not much of a st- stats person. Like, I don't pay attention to the stats. And he was like, you know, uh, Medvedev wanted to close out the year with a win, but I wanted to beat him. <laughs> and so, you know, again, right. just that, I mean, these mentalities that, that you know, we both mentioned with Nadal and, and Djokovic and, and Federer, like, that's why they're at the top because they can, you know, withstand these extremely tough times. And uh, that's so crucial because, you know, I mean, tennis is, is you're going to get into all these, you know, tight moments and it's how you respond um, in the face of adversity that makes you, uh, you know, who you are and how successful you are. So, um, yeah, that's a really great one. Uh, pretty motivating yeah. as well. Yeah, but I think I think another thing, you know, this is goal setting. And I think that people want to have honest conversations with themselves, you know, like as I as we're talking about this as a tennis fan, I get like goosebumps, like I get excited, I get inspired. But when I just really evaluate well, what's my why, even though I'd love to go out there and, you know, reverse the clock 20 years and, and be playing, you know, in, in competitive tennis again. 
that's not my why anymore. You know, my why is to coach. So that's another thing I want people to, to understand too, is like, if you're a certain age, right? If you are like 60 years old <laughs> and you're listening to this, I'm 50, I just turned 50. And so as you're listening to this, don't feel guilty if you're like, well, I don't, I don't do that. My God. I mean, I guess, I guess then you dig deeper. My why for playing tennis very simply is to enjoy it. You know, like Maribon, if, if I met you, I wouldn't want to play a match with you. You know, whether I could win or lose, it doesn't matter. I, I, I want to hit cross courts with you. I want to have fun. I want to feel good. I want to get good exercise. You know, I, I want to just, I love the feeling of getting in a groove with the tennis ball and I don't want to get injured. So, you know, I, I don't want to take the risk of, of uh, serving with my back two out of three sets, you know? Sure. So I'm very clear on as, as tempting. And that what I'm trying to say is don't be tempted by other people's goals just because Rafa will stay out there to the death. It doesn't mean that you have to, otherwise you're not living up to, you're not a tennis player or something like that, you know, like know why you're playing, you know, and, and that's why your why is so important because is your why to simply, well, I do just want to win more matches and I do need that mentality. And it's about winning more matches next year, or it could be, I just want to improve my technique or I just want to get fitter. Like what is your why? That's why everything to me comes back to that question when, when people write in their goals for next year, because, because my why is not to go out there and be Novak Djokovic, you know, it's just not anymore. Yeah, definitely. And your why, you know, can change and whatnot. And yeah, it was really cool hearing your why, Peter. I mean, for me, it's interesting. I've, I guess the number one why is probably, that's tough, but uh, improving. I just really like uh, improving and learning from the best like yourself and, you know, all these great people that I've interviewed and whatnot. But I also, fortunately, I also really enjoy just playing tennis. It's uh, really fun striking the ball and, you know, the relationships and being on teams. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, I'm in a good place with it, fortunately. And uh, yeah, but uh, that's that's my why. Why is, I guess. But um <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of them. So, Pete, uh, let, let's go with another one of yours then. Okay, so I want to go down to, let's say your why is that you want to improve a certain stroke. You want to get better at your technique because you feel, A, maybe you feel self-conscious about it. You're like, I know this shot is weak or... You want it to look like a pro um, and you want to be able to implement it in matches, you know. So now is the time. This is the best time of year to start working on this today. So let's say your goal is to improve a certain technical aspect, which a lot of people I think who go online are looking to do. How would you do that? Because I think a big mistake people make is they watch a video and then they get some good tips and then they want to actually implement it in a match and then that backfires. Yeah. So the process of actually improving your strokes, let's say you want to improve, you want to develop a one-hand toss and backhand. You've never been able to really do that. A ton of shadow swings. And I'm actually speaking from experience because I had a two-hander um, growing up all in juniors, college, one-hander got better and better as I kept teaching more tennis. And then eventually I wanted to switch to one-hand tossman. So I did a ton of shadow strokes in the beginning. Like every chance I had, I would just, if I was waiting around 
for my better half, Yvonne, I would be just, I would literally be waiting around just looking at shadow strokes. I would be hitting backhands in the mirror, you know, filming yourself, doing lots of drop feeds over and over and over again. Then just working that in the rallies and just rinsing and repeating that and filming yourself and maybe staying away from competitive matches for a while because, you know, once you get into a match, even if you say the match is not important to you, it, it instantly, just like I said, matches are not important to me at this aspect. But if we decide to play one day, all of a sudden matches become the most important thing in the world to me. Like I'm not going to be able to just differentiate in my head like, oh, I don't care about matches. Like once you start playing, you care, you yeah. know, if you love tennis. So if you want to improve your technique, I think you take these months, December to like March before the league start and you just do it over and over again, shadow strokes, uh, filming yourself, bounce feeds, rally. Yeah, no, this is great. This is great. I mean, it's the first step, you know, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've been, you know, I've tried to change my technique, but like, I don't take that first step, you know, of the shadow strokes or maybe it's, I remember when uh, Pete was trying to help me with my serve, like uh, I sent him some video, but he was like, you're already at the baseline. Like you shouldn't be, you know, you, you should be at the service line. So yeah, I mean, the progressions are really important. And, um, you know, uh, and another thing that you've said, Peter is like, it's fine for you. Like it, you know, if you play a match to just focus on winning, but then you go back like in the practices to back to the prior technique, you know, then sorry, the new technique. And then eventually that's kind of how you, you're able to integrate it. Right. Yeah. And that's that's another thing, a new thing I want to talk about uh, in my last couple of camps. And I almost it just goes to show how dumb I am <laughs> that it took me this long to realize it just hit me one day. I'm like, tennis is not a rhythm sport. Oh, my God. It like blew my mind when I thought about it, because yeah. like every practice I've ever been involved in since I'm a kid, you know, you go out there. And you, you work on establishing rhythm. You know, you start short court, then you go back to the baseline, then you hit cross courts, then you do this, then you take some serves and then maybe you play a match. But as I would do camp after camp and you just see that when you get drills going with points, you could start to see strokes look better. You could start to see the confidence being built. The quality of tennis would go up. And then all of a sudden you would go, okay, guys, now go play some doubles, you know, and now that's even harder. You got two people on each side and so many times the quality, the energy would just go way, way down the, the shot making the technique, right? Yeah. Everything would go away. And it just hit me as I was watching, I'm like, why is this happening? Anybody? Cause the way the game is played 80% of the time, not hitting a ball, right? The way we train, we're almost hitting the ball 89, sometimes even hundred percent. Even watch the pros when they, when they play, you know, they'll be back there at the baseline hitting somebody misses the coach will feed the next ball in right away. So they, so that's easy to get into a rhythm. Then all of a sudden you start playing a match and 80% of the time you're not hitting a ball. That's a fact. And so now all of a sudden, and you're nervous, now all of a sudden the quality goes way down. So the next thing that I want people to practice is, let's say you work on this new stroke. That requires a lot of hitting, a lot of what I just talked about, how we traditionally practice, hit a million shadow strokes, get in a great groove, groove the stroke. 
once it starts to get some actual wings behind it and you're getting some skill in there, now you've got to put it under pressure. And I want you to think of drills that will break your rhythm. Like, mm. like one example I, I give is like, instead of ha- practicing a basket of serves and have the basket right beside you and hitting your serves, put the basket back by the fence. And after each serve, you got to go back and, and pick up another ball. You can put the ball on the ground, even better yet, because you got to pick up a ball on the, off the ground before you serve and just take your two balls and then start to keep score. Like start to make yourself nervous, break your rhythm, slow everything down, rally with people, and then you can't hit another ball in for 15 seconds. This will drive you crazy. But if you want to start to be able to play like you practice, right? We always say that. Like, I want to play like I practice. Well, why don't yeah. you? Because no one actually practices like they're going to play. No one spends 80% of their time not hitting a ball. I think you've got to start doing this sometimes in your practice sessions. What do you think about that? It's a little controversial, I think. I think it's brilliant. I mean, you think about doubles. I mean, singles is like worse enough with the rhythm thing. Like doubles, all of a sudden you're cutting, you're, you're hitting like even more. Um, like sometimes like you're the net player and your partner's serving and you might not hit a ball for like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, maybe five minutes, but yeah, it's crazy. Like the, the other day I actually was trying to demo a bunch of rackets and like, I it was the stupidest thing. Like, so I, I switched rackets like mid set and like, you know, I'd hit like one shot every couple minutes and it was, it was pretty terrible cause I had no rhythm. So I think this is um, a really good point that not, not a lot of coaches uh, talk about. So I think it would be good. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you want to get into rhythm and stuff and practices, but then once in a while you, you want to get used to like being cold and then still hitting the shot. So it's pretty, yeah, I, pretty I would stuff. say the best. The better your shots are or the more that you have your shots, they are what they are, right? If you're trying to develop strokes, then you should hit a lot of strokes, right? Because and, and it's a lot of repetition, a lot of rhythm and mm-hmm. develop that. Mm-hmm. But if you've got your if you're like, well, my strokes are my strokes, They're, they are what they are. Or, um, you know, you've worked on developing it. Now it's kind of getting to that final stage. I think what you want to do is. um split up your practices, but definitely dedicate some days, like, like get used to it, to where you start implementing serves returns right away. You start making drills to where, you know, there is, there is no gray area. You know, you've, you've got to serve, make your serve, make a return and make your first shot cross court in a certain area, like in a box to win a point. And if you don't, you lose because Tennis, the higher level it is, it's all about executing, especially within those first three or four balls. Yeah. But we usually like think of the first three or four balls as warming up. And as we're practicing, we'll even play an out ball just so we can get <laughs> so we can establish the rhythm. But you've got to have those practices where like, no, once I miss, it's over. I don't I don't get a second chance. Uh, it, it counts, you know, and yeah. I got to get used to that that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I really like that, Pete. That's a good one. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I think I'll go with one that has some similar themes as well because you talked about how now is, is really a great time to... Uh, you know, improve your technique, um, it being, you know, pretty cold out there for a lot of us. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of less, arguably a few less leagues going on. So uh, mine would be to really focus on uh, improving your fitness at this stage as well, um, especially with, again, you know, the holidays, like people, a lot of people tend to let themselves go and whatnot. And for me, what kind of inspired this is that I've recently been having a little bit of fitness issues with my leg, my left leg. I've had some, um, I, I've like, sh- I guess, strained my calf and um, had some heel pain and whatnot. So I really had to focus on warming up properly and even using uh, some calf sleeves and, uh, and yeah, just stretching a lot. And, and I'm also seeing uh, the doc again next week to check out, you know, what's going on there. So, um, yeah, I just think now is, again, a good time to to make sure that you're fit, that you're ready, that you, you know, strength and, and, and functional strength is going to carry you, not just for tennis, but but your life uh, as well and, and help with the quality of life there. And, yeah, that you're eating eating right. I mean, obviously holidays, like it's fine to, uh, enjoy it a few days, but as long as you get back on, on track, you know, that's fine. So yeah, I, th- I think that's a big one. I mean, do you have any particular thoughts on, uh, on fitness? How, how do you, how would you rate yourself, Peter, on a, a fitness scale of one to 10 right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I would give myself, I definitely could get more fit, especially if my goal was to play matches. Um, I would give myself a seven out of 10 with fitness. I exercise okay. almost every single day. Love it. Um, as far right. as the way my body feels, now I'm always super tight. If you guys, if you guys know that, I'm notoriously tight. But as I've far as the way my body, <laughs> yeah, but the way my body feels, it's for me, again, it's it's for how Pete feels. Right now, I'm at about a 10 out of 10. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, very, wow. yeah, I'm in very little pain, knock on wood. I mean, that could change nice. literally afternoon. So I'm grateful. Um, but I'm in very little pain on a daily basis right now. I have been stretching more. I w- wake up every day, even though I'm not going to do a hard workout, I at least get myself to be doing something to where I, you know, I'm, I'm getting going, I'm doing push-ups. I'm, I'm doing shadow strokes. I'm stretching. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing something just to, I just believe that's a great way to start the day anyway. Um, you know, even if it's 10 minutes, it's that habit of at least going, well, at least I did something. And it, it, it does, it does have a, a compounding effect, you know, as you get up every day and you do that, that your body, uh, feels better and it's used to moving, you know, now, again, if I went out there and played a match, I'm definitely not in match shape. So there's a, there's a difference that would be a completely different regimen. I need to start putting myself on. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, uh, pretty good. And and it's and, and if you are somebody who loves to compete, I can tell you nothing feels better. I think everybody who can look at themselves in the mirror when you were in your best shape and working for it, you felt the most confident in your matches. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can think back to that. Just felt like I could go all day, outlast everybody. Um, those were good times. Definitely want to get back to that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, guys, I mean, it's not, it, the answer is always kind of like, well, I can, I'll, I'll last everybody. I do that. But the other thing that you, when you're really working on your fitness, especially if it's tennis specific, another thing too, is you start to feel like I can make every shot because, because you're fit, your recognition and your, 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 your senses are just so much more heightened that you just see the ball faster, you move to the ball faster, you make decisions faster, and you commit to your shots earlier. And when you're doing all that, you just play better. So it's not even just about, you know, I want to be able to win those long matches. That's certainly another benefit. But you just have that confidence of like confidence of I'm I'm prepared for like every aspect of of tennis that you need to to perform the way that that's going to make you proud of yourself. Yeah, definitely. And um, from like, from talking to, you know, all the fitness experts and, and having them on tennis con and whatnot, um, what's like maybe one big f- fitness lesson that you've learned? Well, I think too, is there is so much out there to learn, you know, like mm-hmm. I grew up playing tennis. I was a really good player, you know, for, for, you know, in the United States and junior tennis and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'd been through a lot of tennis training, but you know, you can see that there's just so much more advancements in that area and functional training that when I do exercises with Mark Kovacs or Dean Hollingworth, like some of the things that they show you're like, I've never even seen that before. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it humbles you. You're like, man, there's so many more things that you, you think, you know, it all you don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure I could, I could just be blown away by just seeing more and more exercises that I've never tried or seen. And so I think that's, that's a good thing about, you know, the people who watch these things and listen to these things is, you know, if you get excited, if your why is, even if I can't do it all, I want to know it all, you know, that, that could be, that could be another why, why you're playing tennis, you know, like I, I can't do everything, but I want to know everything. Um, And if that's your why, then that's perfectly okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I I found with fitness that, I mean, less is more in the sense that, you know, like I remember Dean talking about how, you know, he he could construct like a 30 minute uh, warm up for his kids. But I mean, he just sticks to just a few basic ones that he knows the kids are more likely to do. Same with stretching Mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I think, you know, making sure that whatever workout it is that you create is something that's manageable that you will repeat um, consistently over time is, is definitely, um, important versus like trying to create a a hugely comprehensive one that, um, you're likely to just give up on. So, yeah. Well, well, can that, that brings me to my next goal I have. Can I put that down? Segue. Yeah, go ahead. So it's finding the one thing. And I think again, the Mm. more that you are a match player, that matches are important to you. Because at the end of the day, if you ask somebody, hey, what do you need to work on? Well, I need to work on everything. Like, you know, especially as tennis players, we we because there's so much you need to work on, we we tend to feel pretty insecure. And so if you're like, what needs to get everything needs to get better. But if you really focus on one thing that would be the biggest mover of the needle for you, it could just be fitness. It could be your serve. It, it could be your forehand. The one thing could also be improving a strength. It doesn't necessarily have to be 
a weakness. You could be like, man, my forehand's pretty good. If I could make it even that much better, I could totally dominate, especially if I play doubles. They can barely serve to my backhand. So if I just keep like getting my forehand more and more and more grooved, I could go out there and just dominate. You know what I mean? So, but it's, it's fine. That one thing that you need to focus on above everything else, that's going to make the needle move the most for you. And then still work on the other things too. Like you can't ignore the entire gamut of tennis and expect out there just be working on one thing and still play great tennis but if you give that high priority and know that that's what you're going to give a lot of time to and a lot of detail then that's manageable then just like going i need to work on every single aspect of my game just as hard and just as intense and you know you have to be realistic you know you must have the time to dedicate to our game that the pros do and that's that's okay too yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, I often talk about like trying to find what'll give you the biggest return on investment. Um, so, and part of that is really just like knowing your game, you know, just like, what do I do well? What don't I do well? How do I win uh, points, you know, most often? How do I lose it and whatnot? And so, um, what, what I, I, Pete, I know you don't like compete as much these days, even though, you know, whenever I watch you play, you look great. But um, what, what do you think is like the, the, the year one that you would focus on, uh, assuming that you like wanted to play a tournament? OK, cool. Yeah. So that's that's very interesting. So if, if I were to. Like my one thing I want the most since I picked up the latest would be a one hand tossman backhand. Right. But. That's not the thing I need the most, you know? So if I, if I were to, if I were to get back into it, the one, the one thing that I work on would be, uh, my serve and volley game. I would get back to serve and volleying and, and, and so everything would be built around that. Uh, that's why I played my best tennis. And, and so I would get my serve vibe game going back. And then obviously what I'd need to do to be able to make that happen would be, I'd have to get a lot more uh, physically fit with my back. Cause that's a lot of stress. That's a lot of pounding and jarring into the court. And that's just, that's just a risk as a coach. I'm, I'm just not interested in taking, you know, my fantasy would be like, Oh, if I were to play in shape, then that's what I'd work on. That's, that would be, that would make me the best player, but you know, the reality of what the work it would take to do that, uh, it's too big a risk because along the way of doing that, there's a very good chance I could do something on my back and then I wouldn't be on the court helping, you know, people listening to this, which, which is more important at this point in my life to, to do. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's your why and, and your goal. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, for me, it would definitely be my serve. And, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Pete was trying to help me with that, but uh, that would be something because, you know, I've got a pretty heavy forehand that I can dictate points with. So like if I had um, a bigger serve to work with, then that would make things uh, much easier. So yeah, there, and I'm sure everybody has there. So fantastic one. I mean, if, if you pick any of the ones today, which they're all really great, especially Pete's, I mean, this could be the one <laughs> uh, that could really yeah. make a difference. So yeah, mm-hmm. good stuff. Good stuff. Um, hmm, we've got gone through some great content today. Do you have any more on your list, Peter? I- I have two more. Oh, sweet. Two more. And, go and I'll, I'll go through, and, and I definitely want to go through them because they're, I think they're really yeah. important. Yeah. Number one, I, I heard this from Jim Lair and it's this genius and, and coaches me, everybody really needs to work on this because it, because it also applies, to, you know, 
as I heard this, I'm like, yeah, you know, you got to be careful with your words. Um, mm. And that's working on the voice that no one hears. You know, mm. Jim Lair says, we all have the voice that no one hears, you know, and, and, and what that is saying to us is so important. And lots of times the voice that no one hears is super negative. Like, you know, ah, your, your, your serve is terrible. Uh, you're, you're, you're slow. You're this, you're that, or I can't believe you missed that. Oh, you're about to lose again. Like that is so disruptive to, to being able to perform at a, at a high level. So you, you've got to work on that and realize that if you say those things to yourself, Again, that doesn't make you a bad person. That makes you normal. And, and to realize that it's just as hard to get those constantly flowing good thoughts going on in your, in your mind as it is to, you know, be able to hit a forehand in matches under pressure. There, there's a lot of work. That's what Novak Djokovic talks about. He likes doing the work. And I think the biggest thing that he's improved is his mental game. All the work that he did allowed him to believe that there's no limits. They asked him way back in the day when he first started to beat um, Federer and Nadal, like, what's the difference? And he said, I finally believed I could actually beat him. That's it. And so that goes to show how powerful the mind is. Um, and lots of times we're just doing all the other stuff to get, to get ourselves to buy into our own stuff, you know, like doing all the work convinces you that, yes, you belong to be on this court. And so you've got to really work on that. I, I think that's huge. Yeah. That's one. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, uh, it's huge. I mean, you know, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of yourself. You know, if you tell yourself all these negative things, I mean, uh, <laughs> your body will follow usually. So, and it's tough. I've, I mean, I've, I think I wrote about this in like a recent newsletter. Like I've had a bunch of these things happen to me where like I'm tossing the ball up and then my mind says you're going to double fault and you know things like this yeah. or you're not gonna and and yeah I'm just you know I try to use a lot of different techniques and like in between point rituals things like that and and I've been really fortunate that I haven't had those voices pop up in a while I've been able to focus more but um yeah it's a commonality uh amongst a lot of players and uh, I think that's something you really got to work on so you got to find a find a way you know find a mentor or you know good good instructor be it online or physical and and try to work on that because that's that's amazingly huge and again separates um you know the good from the great and even you know the bad results from good and great results so yeah yeah great stuff and the the, the final thing i have is to really um ask yourself and no i mean this should be a pretty straight answer for most of you out there are you a singles or a doubles player you know some of you play a good blend of both but for the most part you've made your decision like i love singles i don't want to have a partner i i've, I've had a lot of people i mean people even in their 70s say i don't want to play doubles I, I like singles when i can when i can no longer play singles i'm done with tennis like they just love the idea of being out there pickleball and then and then doubles you know, if you play doubles and, and the reason why I'm saying is really know that is because everybody seems to be looking up the same generic videos, you know, how to hit a forehand like Roger Federer, how to do the, most people are looking up singles videos on YouTube and, and, and that's great to learn that stuff. But to me, that it can be a big waste of time. If you're in a three, five league and you play 90% doubles, 
and you're not a master at the continental grip, maybe, maybe you don't even have to be a master of the continental grip off the serve yet. You know, that, that, that yeah. needs to happen at 4045 and beyond. You've got a master of continental grip on the serve. But I'm saying you can even have a frying pan grip still at 3-5. But if you're doing that on your volleys and on your returns and all that, then you are leaving a lot of wins on the learn to get, like, get comfortable. Like every time a second serve comes, you can carve that ball deep. You can lob it over the opponent's head. You can hit little drop shots. You can come to the net and be like a surgeon and place your volleys away rather than just being slamming them down constantly and then getting lobbed and passed. Then you're going to be a lot happier on the court. That's going to go a lot further than, you know, trying to hit a four and it looks like exactly like Roger Federer and you're stuck back there at the baseline. You know, that's, that's not going to, like we say, the one thing that's not going to be moving the needle for you as much as actually developing a continental grip. So really tailing your game around what you're playing. Are you playing singles? Or are you playing doubles? And if you're playing doubles, work on more doubles skills than singles skills, and you'll do better on the doubles court. Crazy how that might work. Yeah. Yeah. Great one. I mean, for myself, I consider myself uh, more of a singles player, even though I've I played, you know, heavily much more doubles um, because of USCA leagues. But I mean, I factor that into, um, you know, how I strategically play doubles because, you know, uh, my forehand's the big thing. So I might not go to the net as much as uh, a doubles player would do their strength is our, our volleys and whatnot. So, um, yeah, very important and uh, a great thing to to think about and a fun thing to think about too, um, to help you on your journey toward improvement. I love that. Um, Peter, wasn't there one other thing that you wanted to maybe also? Well, the big bonus goal that everybody should want to do is come to see Maribon at Innisbrook Resort near Tampa Bay, the first annual tennis con live to where if, if you... If you've watched the Tennis Summit and then Tennis Con and you like what you see online, you're going to love it in person because Maribon's going to be there coaching with us and we're going to do a cool session together on, on mastering the midcourt and he's doing some other great sessions and we have Gigi Fernandez who went 17-time Grand Slam champion. We all know Gigi. She's a legend. She's going to be at, at, uh, at Tennis Con Live Kevin from Total Tennis Domination, who is outstanding player and coach, is going to be there. Carousel, who is probably the best player on video right now, I'd say teaching tennis online. But and he's but if you watch his videos, once you see him hit, you're like, wow, the guy's good. When you listen to him talk, you're like, this guy loves to coach and he's pretty awesome at it. And so he's going to be there. Another amazing coach is Ryan Reedy from Two Minute Tennis. He's another outstanding coach. Jorge Capistani, one of the very few people in the world who is a master pro USPTA PDR. And John Craig from Performance uh, Tennis uh, is going to be there. Like it's, it is a, an all star lineup. Uh, and, and we're going to be doing that. March 30th through April 2nd. So Maribon, I'm sure in, in the email or wherever you're watching this podcast, we'll have the link to where you can apply. And uh, we'd love to see on the court. We'll, we'll have a four to one ratio on the court too, which is going to be great. Yeah. Uh, just incredible. Uh, really, really excited for this. I can't, can't tell you how much I am excited for it. I mean, to, to actually have this event live and 
seeing you and Gigi and all the great instructors and and teaching people as well um, with you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I've, I've personally, you know, had some, some people on my uh, subscriber list, like ask me like, oh, do you do like live camp or anything like that? And I was like, oh, I, I told them, oh, I'll let you know, like if I ever do something when I do it. And I mean, this is a, a great opportunity to come to a really cool place um, with really cool people, um, passionate tennis players and coaches alike. So definitely we'll uh, leave the link for you uh, on the show notes page. And I can tell you right now, it's going to be tennisfiles.com slash tennisconlive. live. So that's tennisfiles.com slash tennisconlive live again. Um, yeah, excited for that, Pete. And I can't wait to, to, to be with you all. Um, is there anything else you, you want to talk about it, uh, about the event uh, and, and let the people know about? Well, just that it's going to be jam-packed with tennis. If you love tennis uh, and you want to improve your game, I, I think you're just going to love it. I, I myself, as a tennis fan, am looking forward to being with all the great coaches. And and every time I'm around the, the players, I actually get inspired um, because just to see how much people out there love tennis who come to these things and the, and the time that we have, it's it's just really, really great. And so we'll be on the court. We'll be eating meals together. You guys will have a really cool resort style kind of four days uh, where you're staying. And, and uh, so yeah, it's going to, going to be first class all the way. So um, if you're interested, this definitely apply. And we'd, we'd love to see you on the court. Yeah. And you've already got a bunch of applicants. I know we've talked about, um, you know, how it's been going so far. So yeah, excited. And again, uh, definitely check it out and uh, check out the link and and apply for sure. So Peter, um, you know, thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. Always so much fun to talk to you. Um, any final thoughts that you might want to leave the audience with or an action item or anything like that before we uh, part ways temporarily? Well, yeah, I think it's important to write a lot of this stuff down. Yeah. And uh, maybe once you get writing, you might start writing a lot of stuff down. And, and that's fine. And, and then once you do that, you know, allow your mind, don't limit your mind. Allow your mind to think and to think big and write a lot of stuff down. But then once you do that, then just don't leave it like that. Because then it just might, you, you might end up just, again, overwhelming yourself. Then once you do that, then narrow the list down and make it, Make it simple and and really draw out a plan of, of how you're going to accomplish your why and, and and make it into something that is realistic and manageable for the amount of time that you have to dedicate to the game. Everybody's got a different uh, timetable of how much they can actually play and what they can do. And so make sure that your why will match up with what you can do. Make sure the why and the do can match up and then you can do some great things on the court next year. Love that, Pete. And um, also, I'll, I'll try to summarize um, uh, the goals that we talked about real quick, just so, I, I'm, you know, usually people ask that for that. So what I wrote down was, um, <laughs> number one is write down what your why is. Um, number two is make it a goal to enjoy the process. Number three, stretch your comfort zone. Uh, number four, Pete, if you, if you want to rephrase, let me know. But I, I wrote down... Um, to improve yourself, um, go through progressions, you know, like shadow strokes, mm -hmm. um, drop feeds and also film yourself. Very important. Um, mm -hmm. another great one, uh, that Pete said is drill, uh, do drills to break your rhythm because uh, tennis is not a rhythm sport. Um, and then focus on your number one thing to work on, uh, work on the inner voice that no one else hears 
and then ask yourself whether you're a singles or a doubles player. And then a very important one, and the last one is go to TennisCon Live and join us um, in, in March of 2023. Nearby, I, I, have no, I have no doubt after hearing that that you got all A's in school. I mean, I was a decent student, you know. I have no doubt you were a great student. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. What was your GPA in in high school? Uh, It was kind of weird. It was like, uh, it was above a 4.0, but that's only because there was like some extra credit stuff involved. (laughs) So I rest my case. Yeah. I rest my case. Yeah, but it was was complicated. I mean, adjusted maybe would be like a high three... Over three six or I don't know, but anyways, yeah, Whatever. you know, you got I, over four zero. You got over four zero. Just, I mean, just own it. Just take it. Yeah, uh, I know. just saw what I just saw what a good student you are. Just by the way you did that. Thank you. I, I mean, appreciate I it. Just, so the way you broke that down and wrote it down, I'm like, this dude was an ollie student. There's no question. Yeah, you know, I got a strict, strict mom in particular for the studies, so <laughs> had to perform. <laughs> um, and I, I could, thank job. you, and I could tell Peter that you were a student. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're clearly a, a driven guy, I can tell, and um, very kind and giving, and that's why we love you. So um, yeah. that's what I could tell. But uh, Peter, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Uh, it's great, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon uh, in some sort of format. So thank you, and again, check us out at TennisCon Live in Tampa, March 30th to April 2nd at TennisFiles.com slash TennisConLive. Uh, thank you, Peter. Talk to you soon. Thank Be you. Well. It's a lot of fun, as always. Same here. Take care. All right. I hope that you really enjoyed this discussion about the top eight tennis goals that you should have for 2023 with my great friend, Peter Freeman. Pete, as always, thanks so much for coming on to the show. I definitely look forward to creating more content with you. And um, yeah, I definitely would love to see you, as we mentioned, at TennisCon Live from March 30th to April 2nd. And you can apply to that at tennisfiles.com slash TennisCon Live. And I'm really excited to go there and hopefully see you if you can make it. Uh, with that, I would Really appreciate it if you could leave a rating for the show on your favorite podcast app of choice, um, such as Apple Podcasts, and you can go to tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts to do that. also want to leave you with a quote as I do at the end of every show, and this quote is by John Wooden, and John said, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you're capable. That's a really great one by the legendary John Wooden. Certainly when I know that I've worked hard, then I am much more peaceful and confident than when I know that I have not worked hard and I'm tested. So uh, reminds me of JTCC's quote as well, uh, or, you know, motto, trust your training. So definitely want to make sure that you're giving it 100% or as close to it as possible so that you can then feed off the confidence from that effort. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. And as usual, we're looking forward to uh, having you listen to more great content, whether it's on the podcast, YouTube, or other platforms. So thanks so much. Go to tennisfiles.com slash tenniscon live to join us once again in, in Tampa in from March 30th to April 2nd. And have a fantastic day. Keep improving your tennis game. 
and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.